Hi everyone, I'm Ella May and I have a condition called MRKH, which stands for Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser Syndrome. It was named after the four doctors that discovered it and it affects one in 5,000 women worldwide. So when I was 16, I hadn't started my period yet. I would literally check all the time, just hoping for my medal to womanhood to appear in a big red splodge in my knickers. That's what being, being a woman was to me, periods, sex and making babies. We were taught about how to put a condom on and then we we're taught if you have sex with a boy you might get pregnant so here's how to stop it. That was basically all I knew about what my body would do at that age. When you get to that age, clearly going through female hormones with pubic hair and boobs, I just wasn't prepared for any situation other than what was naturally normal and what I was taught would happen. So because all my friends at school, even some of their little nine-year-old sisters, were starting their periods, I felt really isolated and different. So I mastered an awkward lie and used to steal my mum's tampons, sorry mum and sorry to the world of period poverty, and I would ruffle the tampon wrappers in the toilets and open the bin lids a few times just so that people would think I was on. I'd always forget how long for, it was an absolute nightmare. I just wanted to be like everyone else. I wanted to join in the big period conversation with my friends. It was a bloody hard job. So I went to my GP with my mum for the longest few minutes of my life. As lovely as they were, there was the inevitable awkward prodding and examinations. I was just hoping I was a late bloomer. I don't think anyone at 16 wants to be dropping their knickers at the GP, let alone someone touching their vagina. I was embarrassed enough as it was. After this, they seemed a little confused and perplexed at the results of the prodding. A thick hymen maybe? Who knows? My body was clearly not something they had come across before. In the weeks waiting for the appointment to see a specialist, I continued to steal tampons from my mum or sister and made sure I was on my, period, my fake period as much as possible, sometimes even too much, like I needed to have this continuous womanly flow. It was really unbelievable. I then went to Queen Charlotte's Hospital in London where I had blood, blood tests and an ultrasound. It was really awkward as I went with my dad, the poor guy, going to the gynaecologist to talk about his daughter's absent periods. It was probably worse for him than it was for me at that point, but I was terrified. After the tests, they sat me down at Queen Charlotte's Hospital and talked me through my diagnosis. They revealed to me the weirdest name and four letters that would change my life forever. I can talk about this now quite openly, but it's still a memory that haunts me because of the immediate post-traumatic feeling of, fuck, that was a horrible thing to take in at that age. I feel so sorry now for my little 16-year-old angry self who had such lowest self-esteem already. So, as I said earlier, I had Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser syndrome. That word syndrome made me feel like an absolute freak. This diagnosis meant I had no womb, no cervix. Actually, I had a tiny remnant of a womb. For some reason, this made me feel good back then. I latched onto this fact, but I did have female chromosomes thank fuck younger me thought um, and I did have ovaries so I could have my own biological child through surrogacy one day as I still ovulated and my ovaries should produce eggs. Then on the same day they whacked out these big medical dildo looking things in front of my dad and said you can use these to stretch the upper part of your vagina internally. So part of the diagnosis also meant my vagina, yep awkward word for lots of people, was underdeveloped or shorter than the average. It basically means that the wall of my, the upper part of my vagina was fused at the top where my cervix was supposed to be. 
Um, so anyway, that was my first introduction to medical dilators. I have to say the team at Queen Charlotte's were really amazing, so supportive and said to take your time in deciding whether or not you wanted to do dilating. And the main reason women use dilators is so that sex in the future um, is just more comfortable because obviously if your vagina is shorter, it's not gonna be as comfortable for you. Our vaginas are like a muscle. Dilators are used to stretch this muscle and once it's done, it's done. I learned that the majority of women with MRKH use dilators for a couple of months um, or between two and six months and they never really have to do it again. Dilators are also used for women after treatment for other gynae cancers or after hysterectomy. The conversation surrounding them really needs to be normalised. Anyway, I can confirm, before ruining the surprise of my whole story, that sex for me is just as good as it is for any other woman. My first reaction and thought after my diagnosis was utter grief at the body I was taught I had. And then I've just found out that I don't have that body that other women have. And then immediately after this was, oh my God, how on earth am I going to tell anyone of this? This is so embarrassing. So I didn't for a long, long time. I then had to come back to hospital to spend three nights to introduce me to the dilating therapy. And it was the strangest three days of my life. I'm going to do more episodes on my story and the years to come. But for now, here's a poem I wrote 10 years after my diagnosis. Biology did not teach me what my body will be. My body wasn't part of the curriculum. It only features the bodies of some and it teaches me that my body will make me a mum. My body will bleed. My body can be penetrated. And when I have unprotected sex with the opposite sex, I will be impregnated. My friends got their medal to womanhood. All women have periods and remember the first time they bled as the lining of their uterus shed. A female's body is made up of a cervix and a womb in this fascinating reproductive system that leads to the creation of our future generation. Childhood leads to womanhood, leads to motherhood. From my sex education, that is all that I understood. But I didn't bleed. I had everything else that was expected of me, a huge chest, a hormonal mess. I was taught about that because that's what puberty tends to do, but not what I would need to do if I did not see red. I didn't comprehend the naturally traumatic things my friends were going through because all I wanted was for that to be me too, to see blood when I went to the loo. And I envied the fact that their bodies would bleed. Please body, you must know what to do. I still didn't bleed. I was 15 and my knickers were mostly white and clean. I just said I did, a shame prevention of self-detention. So I stole my mum's tampons and would ruffle the package when I weed and wasted them so my bullshit period production would be believable. And maybe one day my body would be conceivable. At least if someone asked me that dreaded question, can I borrow a tampon, I could say yes without my heart beating out my chest. I tried to have sex, but if I don't menstruate, could I be penetrated? Could I be impregnated? I tried and tried and then I bled and I bled and I bled. It was not the red flow of womanhood I understood. It worked, sort of, I think, but it hurt. I don't know my body or how it should be because so far my body has failed me. I wish I could sink. I was under the assumption that I was late to bloom and I would sit and cry in my room. Why won't I bloom? And then I was 16 and my knickers were still clean. I wanted to drink. My GP didn't know what was wrong with me. My body was put on the list to see a gynaecologist, but why did my body need, need a specialist? Was my body incorrect? My mind was a wreck. 
an invasive examination, a hand, a scan, more hands and further investigations. It was what they had found in the ultrasound and then I knew that my body was not the same as you. For me, this unfinished body was something new. M-R-K-H, the four letters that broke my heart and made it ache. They stole the body I was taught I had, these letters made me so mad. They infested in me and tested me, Mayor Rokotansky, Kuster Hauser, my syndrome. My body was no longer my home. I can recollect that I lost my self-respect. It was escapism. My body was my mind's prison. I would never bleed from down there. I was an underdeveloped woman and I didn't feel like a woman. I had no uterus. I could never be impregnated. The description of my diagnosis I hated. Everything was lacking or missing or empty or needing to be dilated. I would first need to penetrate myself with a medical tube with lube if I wanted to have sex with anyone else. I would need to push this thing inside of me to fix my abnormality. I was born without a womb. Where will my children grow if I can't provide them with a room? I was just a child and I was digesting information on my inability to carry a child myself. There were other girls like me, but I was drowned in figuring out what my life will be. As a woman, I am not worthy an anomaly, a one in 5,000 rarity. I knew I had ovaries and eggs in the vicinity of my anatomy. For me, this was the relief that defined my femininity, but why? I felt incomplete. If inside me was not as it should be, did I look right from my head to my feet? I had missing parts and an empty space. I could not continue the human race. I was alone in my self-criticizing mind, beauty in me I could not find. And I grieved the time I believed in my body. Nobody would understand my body. No one learned about my body. My body was invisible, so I kept it that way and I kept it from everybody. I reached my 20s and I was filled with insecurities, fear and anxieties. Please don't look at me. Do you see what I see? My truth was easier to hide. It was easier not to confide. But you need to expose your vulnerabilities to grow. You need to know that through feeling low, you will one day glow. And I found a power in me, a beauty. I had a deep-rooted fire in my belly, a desire to forgive my body for its entirety, its inevitable flaws and imperfections, a collage, a montage, all its pieces in different sections, its kinks and creases and connections. I just wanted to hold my body and say sorry for the cruelty and thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for my health and my heart and my legs and my arms. I just want to set you free. Self-acceptance is a journey. Self-hate must reduce. And I defined womanhood through courage and strength and love, not the ability to reproduce. Society needs to wake up. Our worth is not qualified by our genetic makeup. I found a sisterhood and eventually my body empowered me to be the woman I was supposed to be, to be the girl I needed when I was 16. And when I saw these girls in front of me, relieved that there were other girls like them that, that set them free, I was so happy. In a world of infertility and surrogacy and the IVF postcode lottery, remember, to be a mother or father is to love. But first you deserve to have love for yourself. Forgive yourself. Embrace yourself. Without this self-love, you will have nothing else. It doesn't matter where our children grow. It may not be under our hearts, but only love will show. In a movement of change, I hope, if nothing, that the next generation are given the right education. Each and every story, every voice, every body is unique. 
we must seek our worth and look after our minds because each of us is one of a kind. I proudly say that my body is not the same as you, or you, or you. Everything I need is already within me and now that's what I see and I want you to see it too. Thank you so much for listening. Mind Over MRKH is actually a team of women with MRKH. So follow, follow us on Instagram at Mind Over MRKH or head to our website, mindovermrkh.org. This was just part of my little story and I've used writing as a way to express my feelings. There's plenty more to come on this podcast from lots of us. See you soon, guys. Thank you again.